0: Sometimes the Holy Spirit will move in a way, you're reading Job, and then all of a sudden something sticks out. Well, I got something that sticks out this morning, and I'm going to briefly go through it and show you, and it is in Job, and if you're there, say amen. amen. If you're not, say oh my. Nobody won't say oh my, because then that would have said you ain't there yet. You got your Bibles this morning, or you got your tablet, you got your resources to be able to look at the Bible this morning, hold it up real high and say this, say, I believe this is the Word of God. I believe I believe, what it says I believe what it says, because it's impossible, because it's impossible. For, God to lie. for God to lie. Give me a loud amen. amen. Amen and amen. So this morning, as I looked through that, I thought, oh my goodness, all the things that I've seen here, all the things that we say sometimes. Somebody asked me one time, Pastor, why do you think I'm going through this trial and this tribulation? I don't know if I could taste it anymore. I'm just, God, I am going through it man, I'm standing on Scripture. I'm believing God to get through this situation and the pain and the hurt, the sorrow, all the things that are along with this. When is it going to end? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? And I said, well, if God saw it fit that he would turn loose Satan onto a man and let him try him and test him, then so God is no respecter a person. He will do it to you as well. Not that he would do pain upon you or cause pain upon you. That's not the God we serve. However, he said he would never put on us more than we can handle. Okay, we all quote that sometimes incorrectly. It doesn't really say that. God said, I'll not tempt you more than you can handle. doesn't say he wouldn't put on more of us. He says, I will not allow a temptation to come upon you that you're not spiritually able to handle. And so we must interpret the Word of God for what it says. Trials and tribulations are part of our lives. My son, Michael, was playing the guitar, and him and I were talking last night at dinner, and he said, you know, Dad, we don't, per- we don't have persecution in America for the church. We have- we've never really suffered persecution in the church. I mean, <laughs> we don't have somebody coming in here with a gun saying, all oh, you Christians, get on the floor, get out and curse God. We live in America. That happens in shootings and churches and things. We think, oh, my God, that's crazy. But we've never been persecuted in America. Now, you got people that disagree with your belief, and we have people that... You don't want to fight and argue about Christianity, but in the real life, Job went through a lot. He lost his whole family. He lost all his possessions. He lost everything that he had, and yet he even lost his best friends because his best friends were saying, you obviously did something wrong, Job, because you had to sin somewhere. Come on and admit to us that you a sinner and done something wrong because only a just God will judge justly. That's what I said. They were arguing the justice of God, and Job continually said, I have done no wrong, I have done no sin, and they continually tried to convince him to admit that he'd done something wrong. He never did, and that argument continued. Now in this, we find that the Bible says that God said he was a just man, and he told Satan personally, go ahead, turn loose, put on what you want to put on him, he's my man, I know he's going to do the right thing. Come on, somebody, say, do the right thing. The only thing that we find really in Job and uh, Marcello eloquently brought it up along with Michael is the fact that he was resting on the laws and the precepts and the con- uh, the commandments of God that made him righteous and justice. See, in the Old Testament, you had to do some things in order to get some things. You were either disobedient or you were obedient. And so, the laws of the Old Testament was that if you obey God, then you have the blessing of God. If you disobey God, you have cursing but we find that Job literally man he was sold out that he did everything right he could check every list could somebody say you know at the end of the day I remember years ago when I was really trying not to sin I'd go to bed at night and and I always ask God to forgive me of my sin because I'm a sinner saved by grace and I'm gonna blow it because I'm human oh gosh somebody's missed off to say amen. amen And I don't, bow, I, don't, I don't boast that I know a lot. I don't boast that I'm a preacher that has it all together and is holier than thou because I'm human. And, and God uses the foolish things to confound the wise. But what we found out in this scripture is that Job literally was saying, God, I've checked all the balances. Now, here I am. I don't deserve this pain. I don't deserve this suffering. But what we find is that he's standing in that, and then all of a sudden he questions God's justice. I don't know about you, but you've ever heard somebody say, I don't know why happened to me. I don't know why I deserve for that to happen. Look at so it's over there. They, they heathen from hell. They act up. They drink. They party. They act a fool. And, and, and look at that. They got more money than law allowed. And here I am working myself hard. I do the commandments. I love God, and I am suffering. Why? Job lightly and politely questioned God's justice. He never questioned God in a way, but he questioned his justice. And what we find here is so unique. Are you in Job yet? Turn to chapter 19, verse 23. Job 19, 23. Oh, that my words were written. Oh, that they were inscribed in a book. I don't know about you, but I do understand some things that we Have to understand, I say if you ink it, you'll think it. We live in a society today where we just punch in and we talk and we text. I text now, I just speak to my phone, it texts for me. I'm a slow texter, I'm a one-thumber, and I'm not a two-thumber. I'm just one of them slow, methodical texters. But I like to just say it, praise God, and let it go. But I'll ink it, so I'll think it. I'm constantly going down the road in my notes, speaking to it, putting notes in as I'm driving down the road or whatever, because if the Holy Spirit speaks to you, if you don't ink it, you won't think it. If you don't know if you've woken up with a dream, you say, man, that was good. God spoke to me. You better ink it then, because in the morning you will have a hard time remembering it. So he made a bold statement about how this is going to be written. And then in verse 25, we very rarely see this, but if you'll see this in 25, Job has a revelation. In 25 it says, For I know now that my Redeemer lives, ooh, and he shall stand at last on the earth. We talk about all the pain and suffering of Job. We talk about God. We talk about Satan. But this is really the first reference, Redeemer, which references to Jesus in the Old Testament. And it's great that he had to go through pain and suffering and heartache in order to see God, I don't know about you, but sometimes in my darkest, darkest, painful, depression, whatever you're going through, if you keep your mind on God, even though you don't understand it, you'll see him. Because he shows up in the dark place. He shows up in that hurt place. He's always there, never forsaking us never leaving us. That's a promise you can understand. I've been down and out in my life where I had to take months off in the ministry because I was so depressed and down and out that I literally were just thought I was going to die. I can't keep going like I'm going. And it was only in that darkness that I really got a revelation of God's grace and his mercy. And, and yet here we find that Job gets a revelation of Jesus, the Redeemer. Someone say Redeemer. See, to redeem is to buy back. See, we as Christians forget that we're bought with a price. We go to church, we're a member, praise God. We go to church, we're Christians, and that we have this status, we have these rights as Christians. But if we really thought about it, we bought with a price. I'm bought. I don't know about you, I ain't my own. And Christians, many times, when we fall in a dormant stage where we're no longer really in love with God and the things of God, it's because we become comfortable in our own stuff, in our own way. But he got a revelation that he was purchased. He got a revelation that he was going to get back from a Redeemer, not just a God that judges right and wrong. He met the Redeemer. See, you hear of God, but when you meet Jesus, the Redeemer of our lives. The blood was paid for us. And that many times when we take that for granted, you've lost the gospel. We don't minister anymore out of the desperation to let somebody know it's okay because the blood covers your situation. It's okay because Jesus is the one that bought us back. I didn't deserve it in you, nor you deserve it. Amen? So that's my takeaway of Job. Run with it as you will. But in that, he became a revelation of humankind in the Old Testament to foresee the Redeemer. Come on, somebody say Redeemer. And it's mentioned in his word. Now, I'll finish with this. Go to verse 42, the very end. After all that is said and done in 42, Job, Job 42. Yeah, chapter 42. I didn't say that. Y'all got to correct me. See, that's why y'all got to keep me straight. I'll be telling you, turn to Job 453. After all that was said and done and after God questioned his justice, God came back and said, where were you when I created the heavens and earth? Where were you and who are you to say when I did this and where are you? And God comes back with him 44 times right in the face. He threw a right, he threw a left at Job. The Bible says that Job said he couldn't even speak. He had to put his hand over his mouth because he had known that he had done wrong. You ever just said something you went, oh. But when you say it, it's too late, it's already out there. Mm. See, words are powerful. They either build up or tear down, and many times my mouth can do both, because right now I'm talking more than you are, so I have a, more of an opportunity today to offend you than to bless you, mm. so I better watch what I say. He says in verse 2, I know that thou hast can do all things, and that no purpose of thy can be withheld. Whom is this? that hides counsel without knowledge. Therefore, I have declared that which I did not understand. Church, watch your mouth. Job is saying, I done opened my mouth. I've been saying things against you. I did not understand. Mm-hmm. Things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Say, I don't know. I don't know. One of the most powerful things you can say in the English language is, I don't know. Anybody know a know-it-all? Just knows Everything. Yeah, it don't matter what topic you on, they know it. They know about it. Nobody likes to know it all. You know, it's okay to say, I don't know that answer, but I'll get back to you. Can I get an amen? amen. He says, but hear now, verse 4, and I will speak, I will ask thee, and do thou instruct me? I've heard of thee. Come on, somebody say, I've heard of thee. I've heard of See, we hear of God every day. We hear of God, but here's what happens to Job. This is what happened. I had heard of thee by the hearing of my ear, but now my eyes see thee. My eyes see thee. See, you can read the Bible all day until you're blue in the face or in the eyes or whatever. You can read and study. I've known people that have quote more scripture than I'll ever know in my life, but they've never really saw God. See, it's the eyewitness that goes to court that gets the credit. I don't know about you, but the Bible's full in the New Testament of eyewitnesses of reports of Jesus. See, the world's looking for an eyewitness, somebody that's seen. And I don't know about you, but I'm ready to be one. I'm tired of stagnation. I want to be the one that says, you've got to come and check this out. Huh? And that's why Jesus moved in such a powerful way. When he met the needs of the people, he first met their natural need before their spiritual need. See, the world needs a natural healing today. We need more signs, wonders, and miracles. Can I get an amen? Amen. I don't know about you, but I'm not looking and striving to pray for signs, wonders, and miracles. But I tell you what, healings are good miracles. Huh? Amen. I mean, if somebody gets healed, praise God, that's a miracle. Amen. There are signs and wonders happening in Africa in a certain area right now where, cliff, where we have been sending Christian doctors to do free surgery to fix cleft lips. Amen. And right now God is in this one tribe repairing those lips without a doctor's hand. People's cleft lips are being healed. Oh, gosh, somebody say amen. Yeah. Can he do it? Oh, yes. Can he do it in America? Yes. Okay, he's going to do it. So I say that to end Job But number one, he got a revelation of the Redeemer. He saw Jesus in his pain and his suffering, and yet he repented before God that his tongue was his worst weapon and that he turned his life around, and God restored to him everything that he had lost and more. Come on, church. And he rebuked those three friends of his. Come on, somebody. I don't know about you. Somebody attack you. The first thing I want to do is attack back. But when you say, Lord, I'm going to let you handle that. Lord, you see what they put on Facebook on me? Lord. You know, and it might even be true. Back off. Let God. God dealt with him, amen, and he got him. Now, this morning, as we step back in the seven steps of revival, let's review a little bit. The review that we talked about last week, I don't want you to miss this because I don't know about you, but I don't think America's in full-blown revival. Number one, I don't think so because, number, I've, I've studied it now. I've been studying it all week long, and, and revival and awakening, it's hard to describe which one is which. Is it, and, and, and so the first steps to revival, number one, is the fact that we must confess our need for revival. I don't know about you, but it's easy to look in the mirror and go, man, I need a haircut. God, where's that wrinkle come from? I'll pull that down. Yeah, if I held it right there, I'd be all right. (laughs) We outwardly look at our lives, and we want to fix stuff, wear the right clothes, make sure we look good, smell good, and all the things that we do in America to be that, But we must confess our need for a spiritual revival. And if we don't understand that we need it or don't confess that we do, then we're probably not going to have one. Amen? I mean, you can wreck your car and have 22 dents in it, and you can keep saying, it's all right to me. But if deep down you go, I sure would like to have those dents fixed. I tell everybody it's okay just because I don't want to, you know. Number two. First, we must confess our need for revival. Then recognize what? We need to admit the responsibility, I mean, the possibility of revival. See, I just said some things about miracles. Men, may have never seen a miracle. You've never, never had one. I've had several miracles in my life that I know. You can't tell me, talk me out of it, that God didn't move in my life with a miracle. A miracle is a supernatural intervention of God. It's not brought up by man. Okay? I mean, we can give doctors all the credit and nurses and everything that we do, but we have to first, we have to recognize what that is. So we must admit it's possible for revival. If it was possible in the Old Testament, it's possible today. Amen? So that's why we will use Psalms 85. You can turn there as we recap. And then next and foremost, we must recognize the source of revival. Anybody what I said what the source was? Anybody remember the source? bad church. Prayer? Huh? Everybody looking at your notes. Prayer. You can't have anything in the natural or even the supernatural unless you first pray. Whether you like it or not, God said, ask and you shall receive. The reason why the body of Christ don't have is because the Bible says that Jesus says you have not because you ask not. We still have to say it. Bugs my wife when I assume we're gonna do something and I didn't say it. We show up somewhere and she said, "Why are we here?" Well, I thought you wanted to go here. You didn't ask me, but I told you. You told me you didn't care where we went. Uh, Men, lies, lies, lies. They do have an idea where they want to go. Carry them to McDonald's and find out. So prayer is that thing that we have, connection with God. Prayer is not a one-way communication. Prayer is communicating with God. Prayer is more about listening to God than us saying to God because our hearts are sinful. And God says, I know the hearts of man. Heart will deceive us. We'll think we are all right. We'll think we're righteous. We'll think we're good. But in our thinking, we can miss it. So the best way to pray is say, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is what? In heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses and forgive us all those that trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. God told us that prayer and said that was the first time he incorporated us in our father. We have a heavenly father that was brought to us. Jesus spoke to him constantly in the form. He said, my father, my father, my father. He walked to the earth and said, my father, my father and I, my father. Then all of a sudden he goes, I'm going to help you have a father. You bunch of stepchildren is what we are. Say, I love being a stepchild of God. Because we are. We were grafted in. So prayer is that thing that you can pray and just keep praying and ask God to move. I don't know about you, but it's only when the God and the Holy Spirit move into a person's life do they change Never evaluate and cast somebody off as gone by their behavior because God changed the behavior of a man named Paul that killed Christians, sought after, and destroyed them and said it in the name of God, justified it. And yet, even him, the most evil, wicked person there is, even Osama bin Laden, it would have been better for us to hear him say, I was wrong." I did this thing, I met this man named Jesus, now I'm saved, forgive me, than for us to have to go after him and kill him. It would have been better for Hitler to say, I was wrong and I met a man named Jesus. He healed my heart, I was full of evil, than for him to commit suicide. See, we are judgmental people, we want to judge people, we want to criticize people, but when you start praying for people, you can't hardly criticize them any longer because you don't know what they're going through and don't you dare try to figure it out. Let God do it. So prayer. Next thing. Then what happens is we must understand the source. Okay? Was that the same thing or is that different? All right. What was the answer to that one? One's recognized, One's recognized. And, one and then know the source. Okay. <laughs> know the source. See, God's the only one that can do this. That's why we pray to our Heavenly Father. He's the only one that can do it. I'm begging y'all to get in revival. I want y'all so fired up. There's so many people that aren't here today that need to be here, but I can't help them today. They chose not to be here. So I can't even drum up revival. I can't send out flyers. We must know it's going to be a sovereign move of the Holy Spirit to come down and answer our prayers and do this thing. Amen. Amen. Because revival is first and foremost a personal thing. It's inside of us that we come. I don't know about you, but it only takes one spark to start a forest fire. Amen. I'd love to be that spark, praise God. Sometimes I think I'm better cheerleader than I am a preacher, but I will cheer, cheer, cheer. Hallelujah, hallelujah. God can move signs, wonders, miracles. He is the source of revival, and it's not man. Now, I happen to know some people, anybody have heard of the Brownsville Revival in Florida? It went on for about 13 years. People lined up. People came from all over the world. Some people were in other countries, said go to Brownsville, Florida. Amen. Some people had no clue what that was, but they heard the Spirit of God and moved. We met foreigners from different countries at the Brownsville Revival. Amen. People just showed up, found out there was a revival at the Assembly of God church in Brownsville Revival. And they didn't even know. See, when God's moving, he will strategically put things in place for that. I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't want to even try to... <laughs> I do want to try because we have to learn from history. Problem is we don't learn from history. <laughs> but we have to learn from history to learn something. Okay, so the source is always God. The next thing we must remember is that um, you must be provide the channel for that. I, I, I don't care how you shake it or bake it or or whatever you want to do. Revival is still... Uh, it's a, it's a us job. Say, it's a me job. Amen. See, God uses channels, and the only channels he uses is people. Amen. <laughs> only channel he uses is people. Amen. And as a minister, I don't know about you, you got yours too. I'm all in your, in your business this morning. Y'all got your favorite preachers, and you got your preachers you see on TV, and you go, mm, mm, mm That can't be God. I always say it like this. Leave it alone. Put it on the shelf. Somebody ask you, don't you give them your opinion, because see, some of the best men in the Old Testament loved God, did the right thing, and messed up, yeah. but don't mean they wasn't called by God. Saul was called out by God to do what he called to do. He went bad and messed up. Kings messed up. Preachers messed up. Politicians messed up. People mess up. Don't judge it, just pray for it, understand that God's got it, but still he can only use the channel on this earth as you and me. He chose to use Jesus as the earth vessel to come in in the flesh, teach the flesh, watch me in the flesh, and then turn over the Holy Spirit to us, indwell us, and let us walk in the flesh. So we walk in the flesh. And I can walk spiritual today, praise God, and be all preachy and happy and I can walk right out of here and get so mad at that waitress that did not bring me my second glass of tea. That quick, we can get in the flesh. Can somebody say amen? Don't act all holy on me this morning. We can walk in the flesh just like that, and we can walk in the Spirit. We can cut it on like a light switch. I can choose to walk with God today, or I can just say, oh, I don't want nothing to do with you, God, Holy Spirit. Leave me alone. I'm going to do what I want to do. And I do it every day. Let's do it. Practice, Take your hand out, look at it. Bad flesh. Go ahead, spank it. Go ahead, tell it. Bad flesh. Flesh is bad. All right, next, six. We talked about the obstacles of revival. There's only one obstacle. The obstacle to revival in our lives is sin. Now, my wife got all upset with me, which a bunch of you did, because I had this freaky way of saying things that mean something to me, but you hear me say it, and you go, that ain't right. I said the acronym for sin is S-I-N, sin-I-N. The N is not, I understand, but I see it that way. A prodigy of ADHD, I see it that way, and I hear the N as an I. But I I really saw it that way. God speaks to me sometimes like that. It's like, what is sin? The sin-I-N not your neighbor, it's not your government, it's not other people. When we have an obstacle in our lives, we always have to deal with my sin. I have to deal with mine. So, excuse the grammatical error, but just think of sin. From now on, you'll always say it the C and I N, S I N, the Sin I N. That crazy minister threw that out there, and it doesn't even work, but it sounds good. And last but not least, grammatical error. See, I, English, I didn't, I don't know. What is that? (laughs) In a true revival, you always enjoy what? The results of it. The results of the Browns revival, there's thousands upon thousands of people got saved, got turned on to God. Thousands of people that were dead and in sin and in drugs and in alcohol got delivered, set free, and moved on. The benefit of Job was he lost everything that he had, family, materials, and everything. But at the end, the result of his encounter of pain, suffering, and heartache, God, his Redeemer, that paid back, Amen. restored back. Yeah. Right. See, I got news for you, church. A true revival will produce results, and those results of revival will always be seen. Because if you can take a man that sins, lies, cheats, and steals, and you take that man and everybody sees that he don't lie, cheat, and steal anymore, that's a result. Amen? Amen. Yeah. You can even invite him over to your house for the night now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, y'all know who I'm talking about. Amen. Results. And what the world doesn't see in America today is spiritual results from believers. They see church dysfunctional. They see that the church over here split. This church got mad and went over there. Those Christians over there get mad and do this. I went to church one day, and I showed up in, in, in jeans, and they told me I had to put on a dress. It happens right now in O'Reeke County, right yeah. Huh? People have actually come to church and you know, it's like, and had girls that kind of you know, dress kind of mm, come to church and had people tell them, you need to leave. God ain't moved by all that junk we see. God is moved by the heart. You know, man, we need to take people in. I was at a church one time, but I started busting in homeless people, and then I had to quit because the the actual people in the church got tired of smelling them. We got more complaints about pastor. Could you get make sure they take a bath before they come? They really stink real bad. I was on a few rows down, and it really is bad. Could you do something about it? Really. So, results. Okay, so now, go back to 85. Let's catch up where we are. Now, what I wanted to get to is we caught up the seven things and steps to revival, and there's a whole lot more, but last week, I discussed those in a little bit more detail. Today, I want to talk about the awakenings or a revival. I don't know about you, but if you study it out like I have, and I love revivals. I like studying the great revivals, and especially the great revival of the 1700s, when we weren't even a nation yet, but we were part of a colony, and in that colony, God moved in such a way by a man by the name of Jonathan Edwards, and he began to preach the power of God, and he began to preach that the colony was getting into sin and that their lives were not showing the things of God. They started turning away from God. Can you imagine? I'm always thinking, 1700s, what kind of sin can you do back in that primitive time? What were they doing? We got all the sinful things around us on the Internet. Number one profitable business on the Internet today is pornography. Billions of dollars. Because people do it because they don't know that anybody can catch them. They do it because, see, if they go to the club down in the city, that somebody will see their car. But I could do it on the Internet and nobody can see me. I got news for you. They got your number. (laughs) People see you. They know you. They target you. But in the 1700s, before we ever were a nation, the great awakening happened and started a move of God. Now, I wanted to say that in a way that I've been trying to evaluate this revival that I want to see come to the church. I want to see the church revive. I've been a part of the place, God, where people came to church and the music and the anointing and the presence of God was so thick that you could literally see a cloud in the room and people would take out their cigarettes and their drugs and their pops and they would come to the altar and... Because the conviction and the power of God was so strong that people just said, I can't do that anymore. But see, we don't have to have that when we're not in revival. But when we're in revival and ask God for revival, revival takes a whole different meaning when you say, God, I want revival. I don't really want revival right now (laughs) because I ain't done what I know it takes to get revival. Can I just be honest? Am I okay? Because if anything ever happens in my life as a minister, I want to be as transparent as I can to let you know I struggle just like you do. And I know that if I get on my face before God and demand that we have revival, he's going to demand that I let go of some. Amen. <sighs> so awakening, someone say awakening. Awaken. I don't know about you, but there is a difference. And I've been studying out through the great wakings of America. We can look up our history. We can see that the move of God, we can see when Billy Sunday preached a message and it touched a man by the name of Billy Graham. And Billy Graham went from 1907 to this past year, living his life, preaching the gospel all around the world. Doors were opened up to him in Muslim countries and all alike because the Bible says that God will open doors and kings and kings to you. And Billy Graham was one of our greatest men of God that went around preaching the the gospel, and in preaching the gospel, people got saved, their hearts turned around, they went in revival, and said, my life is in sin, I need to be revived. And he affected a whole culture in the 1900s up until now, just as Billy Sunday did, just as Jonathan Edwards did, but it's funny that in America, all our revivals and great awakenings, one, two, three, and four, were all done by a powerful preaching of men of God. But I see something happening in America now where it may not be that way. It may not happen that way. We're shifting in a whole other area where God is going to move in this country. Just as there was one man that felt the need for human rights, civil rights, one man had to stand up as a leader and say no more. And who was that man? Martin Luther King. God uses people that are bold enough to stand up and say, People forget. You can get mad with him all you want. He was a man of God. He loved God. Yeah. He was reading out of the minds of God. He was preaching out of human rights for God. He was saying that every man is equal. Don't judge a man by the color of his skin, but by the character of his life. And yet, we are full of multicultural people all around the world. We still can't get along. But it's time, church, that we evaluate a little bit. Now, here's what I saw. In studying the American Revivals, and I can take you to all kind of people, I can take you to Thomas Jefferson, I can carry you back to the forefathers, and I can bring out my bent on church, America's based on God. However, it doesn't matter. We had generations of people in the Old Testament that were based on God, and yet they still turned from God. So it doesn't matter how you shake it, who's the president, Democrat, Republican, Libertarian, Vegetarian, Huberian, whatever. Our leaders aren't going to be the ones to determine our destiny. It's always by the power of God, men and women on their face before God, men and women saying, I want a revival in this land. God will remove all those that need to be removed. Trust me, you can, (laughs) God says, I pick them up and I drop them down. I don't care what your political affiliation is. It's not about politics. It's about God. The problem with all men get leadership and power, they all kind of sour to the ear. I've got to go toward my constituents. Come on, somebody. But when a nation stands before God and they begin to pray that this country will start to see our ways and start to heal our land, the Bible says that in Chronicles, the awakening came when the prayer was this, God said, if my people... Now, we Americans use that, but let me correct it a little bit. If you do study on it, it really was talking about the Israelites. It was talking about the covenant, Abraham covenant. It was talking about the Sinaitic covenant. And that scripture is really used that if my covenant people will humble themselves and pray, then seek their huh, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then I will heal their land. Let me tell you something. God made a promise to the covenant but we always break covenant. We're sinful people, but yet awakening is that thing that we find. New Testament scripture does not give us any revival words. It was only until the King James Version was written and brought into our lives did some words change and shifted a few in the New Testament. Never before that has there ever been a revival mentioned in the New Testament. All revivals were mentioned in the Old Testament upon the covenant that God had with man that if you do this, you'll get this. If you do this, you'll get this. Cursings are blessings. Cursings are blessings. I don't know about you, but America is showing signs of great curse. Now, we're grafted in. We're people that are grafted in, right? Amen? We're the Gentiles, okay? We're grafted in. We have a covenant promise. We're not totally hooked in, we're stepchildren, hooked in by the blood of Jesus through a covenant. However, I cannot find anywhere in the New Testament where there's a revival. Even the beginning of the church, what we call the move of the age of the Acts chapter church, which we come from, we can only still find revival and awakening in the Old Testament by a covenant. So, we do have it in America, and I can show you history. But we can't evaluate our next move of God by our church history. Okay. I'm talking about American history. We can do church history. Excuse me, let me clarify that. We can do biblical history, but I can't do it on American history. Okay. So, in that study, and if you're in, in, in that part, we will find in Psalms 85... Over and over again, revive us, O God, revive us, O God, revive us, O God. Now, I firmly believe that there's a difference between an awakening and a revival. I think an awakening is that thing when we got saved. Salvation comes, we are now awakened from dead. The Bible says you were once dead, but now you're alive in Christ Jesus. You're in the family. I got some people that's in the family this morning. Okay then you're in those that were awakened. You were dead, but now you are alive. You're in the body of Christ. That's an awakening to me. And then, as life goes on, I got saved and turned on to God when I was 10 years old, ran to the altar at the Baptist church as a little boy, knew I heard from God. God showed up in Scripture to me, and I ran and prayed that prayer of salvation. And from there on out, it was a a war of my life. Living at the beach, girls, drinking, drug, you name it, I dove in it because I was weak and I had no knowledge of how to operate in the things of God. Baptist Church is great. They're still part of my family. They're still a part of my life, but they didn't teach me discipleship skills to live through that. They told me I was saved. I'll get to heaven, but nobody taught me how to live a victorious life in Christ Jesus, how I could rebuke the enemy, how I could stand strong in the things of God and not the things of man. Be ye not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by what? The renewing of your mind? Amen. See, well, most Christians are simple-minded. We don't study. We don't learn. We just believe what we hear. I'm in this denomination because as my mama was, well, my granddaddy was. Well, my great granddaddy's got a name on the pew down there, and I swear I sit. I just went along with it. But true study of God, true revelation that you get from God, no preacher, no church can give you what you personally can get from God. And we've all turned into that thing. Let me just find a church where I can get all my needs met. I want the good worship. I want to go to church where they got a great nursery program because I need somebody to watch my kids for at least an hour. And all my teenagers, can I give them something to do for two nights a week? God, please do something with my children. I can't take it any longer. They've got to have a youth program for my kids. Oh, and they must have a school so I can bring my kids to school oh, the church must have this, and must have that. So then the Christian of America in the last 30 years have become consumers instead of Christians. We shop for where we get the most benefit. I throw it in a pot and they give me a lot. That's my church. You know, I'm a member of that church right there and they give me 30% off my daycare. Now, Jesus said, I, I came to serve you said, I came on this earth to serve. Yeah, yeah. We come to shop. We come to say, what well, can you give me for the best deal? You don't know why the trade deficit is so whacked out, because you Americans want it as cheap as you can get it, and you don't want to pay high dollar for it. Neither do I. <laughs> that means somebody else has got to do it besides the American that says, well, I work at this company, and I deserve $50 an hour, and I want my retirement at 30 Somebody overseas will say, I'll do that for five, praise God. Just give me that job. I'm just saying we're selfish. We're kind of spoiled. I mean, Walmart really does well by telling you that you can get it there and you don't have to go nowhere else and it's cheaper than everybody else, and that's not true. But we love it. Oh, revival. Revival is that thing. Spiritually speaking, a nation will change in the second great awakening in the 1800s, every bar in every city shut down. There was no drinking, no bar. Why? Because when people revive, they no longer need that. They've got the spirit of the living God living through them. Why was I trying to get it out of a bottle? Why am I trying to get it out of a drug? Why am I medicating? See, we have to understand only God can do for us what God can do. Your denomination can give you what you want, and you'll get what the denomination will do. Your organization that you serve in your business will get you what your organization can do. But God will give us what God can do. It's when we finally decide that we're sick and tired of eating the cheese, and I just want what God wants me. Is anybody listening this morning? because I'm going to wrap this up, I can't go deeper than this this morning, but other than to tell you first before you can be revived, you must first be awakened. you got to wake up and then see your surroundings and understand what's going on. So in the New Testament, with the the revelation of Jesus Christ coming in, the next flow of revival came after the Holy Spirit landed on man. Jesus said, I can't be with you and walk with you. The pastor's not going to be at your beck and call 24-7. And, and so just because he didn't come visit you when you're in the hospital, you're going to leave the church? You ever thought maybe he was sick himself? Mm-hmm. I had somebody tell me the other day. I just thought that out there. Um, <laughs> don't put your trust in people. Don't put your trust in government. Put yourself in God. See, America used to put their trust in God. We used to have prayer meetings right next door to the White House. We had men in God pray in those 13 colonies. They all realized they were were broken up. They were split up. We weren't the same. They got on their knees and prayed, and 13 colonies became one because they were all worshiping and praising God. They all saw the need for God in their governments, and they came together and made one. And there was one nation under God in that colony. They actually were moving toward all things being in common And so I say this to to encourage you in the book of Acts when the people got filled with the Holy Ghost. The Bible says that they had all things in common. Everybody did not do without. People that were in need, everybody sold everything they had to give to everybody else. Now, if the church in America decided to sell everything we got to make sure everybody's got something, then nobody's going to do it out. But let me remind you of this. In great revivals, and the move of God came. Jesus is already gone. The Holy Spirit's filled. Jewish people are saved. People are running around. The Holy Ghost is flowing. People are in unity. power of God's everywhere. People are getting healed. And then all of a sudden, they get a revelation. I don't really believe in that Jesus stuff. These people are crazy. So in that culture... Don't think that they did it because they wanted to. I used to think, man, they're so in love with people, they just sell everything they got, and they just give to other people. No, if you study it out, in that culture, the Jewish people had dominance of most all businesses, and all businesses in Jewish culture is family. Family businesses operated, and yet they still had Gentiles and Samaritans and all kind of different people working in their companies. But after they said this Jesus thing ain't for us, they started firing people, letting people go. Oh, you're one of those. Get. I don't want you on us. We don't want you working with us. So they gave because there was a need. Somebody say need. See, when true need comes, we give. We Americans are good. Earthquake happens overseas. What do we do? We give. We're a misunderstood country all around because we as heart people, we give the people. Floods, tsunamis, whatever, we're there. We give. But in that day, they didn't do it because they wanted to and they were all lovey-dovey. They saw the need and went, I got to. These people here just got kicked out of their job because they're Christian. Now, am I going to be a Christian and do the right thing? Am I going to be a true Christian and say, i got to meet the need for that? No. I always say it. The only reason why we're not reaching out, helping more people than we are, because it takes a lot of work. Revival is work. Because when people come in and they smell bad, they talk bad, they are bad, and they get saved, they got a new life, and then somebody's got to clean them and help them and move back. That's work. So when we're praying for revival, we've got to remember, it's work. And it's going to be sacrifice. Because God's going to account for us to where we're going to go next. Today's 326 days before we vacate this building. I ain't scared. Why? Because the church is not the building. The church is you. Amen. Be the church. Amen. I hate it when somebody tells us, back in the day when I was sinning and all my family members and stuff, some of them are here, and they say, you need to get back to church. Boy, when you's doing wrong, you don't want to hear that? i got to get back to church. <laughs> well, I went to church. And I saw them same people. On Sunday, I saw that same person down at Spanish Can last night where I at. Yeah. <laughs> mm. No, it's not about going to church. It's about being the church see church we need to learn to be the church no matter where we are but we will constantly meet and have meetings but we're we're not going to be confound to four walls because God didn't confine himself to four walls he stayed on the go for three and a half years because he knew his mission was to go 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 but we Americans we want to stay 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 build the house put a white fence around it build two garages so when I park my car in there, I ain't even got to talk to my neighbor. Oh, y'all know I'm right. Well, we talk about it. We have a good time. So awakening and revival. I'm going to end it at that. Stand your feet this morning. I want you to understand that if you would just go back and read Psalms 85 and read the progression that David had. The progression that David had before he asked to revive us, O oh God, was he started out by thanking God. He started out thanking him for the things he had done for him. Many times we lose our revival when we forget to thank God for the things he'd done for us back there. You start taking for granted the things that God has doing for you now. Prayed for a woman in Lowe's the other day at the counter. She said, I just have a horrible day. It's just a terrible day. Everything's, I don't want to even be here. I said, oh, you don't need that stuff to worry. You don't know what it's like to work here. I said, I know what it's like to be alive when I should be dead. She looked at me like, I said, hold out your hand. She held out it. I said, blow it in. Go ahead do it. Blow it in. I said, do you feel that? That's God breathing through you and you can't even see it. Why do we put so much trust in what we see, but yet the things we don't see keeps us alive? I can feel it. Church, it's time to be the church. Not go to church. Be the church. And we're going to continue to go to church. We're going to meet somewhere. But I need to get a church that's on fire. Amen. I want somebody that loves God so much that they will just get off work to go pray for somebody. Amen. We need to get out there in the streets because sinners don't go to church. Amen. <laughs> Come on. Amen. I didn't go to church when I sinned and I didn't want to hear it. Y'all. I didn't want to hang out with y'all. That's right. Father. As we come here today, I believe it's a divine appointment that we not be preached at, but we be preached to. That, Lord, you help us see that inside of us we need revival. We need things to be shaken up inside of us. There's things that attached itself to us that stop us from being the go people you've called us to be. You said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Do those things. We stop going, God, because we We've lost our fire. We've lost our joy. We're scared to know what people might say about us, you know. Father, let us get that fire again, and thank God Jesus was not afraid to say what was from you. Let us declare your word as we leave this place today, but let's do it in a loving way. Let's do it in a way that we show up on the scene, and our revival is such a way that we burn through people's souls, and we burn through their lives. God, I myself, I clown around too much. I joke around. I don't get serious enough. I just sometimes just <laughs> want to fit in. But, Father, you've called the Christian life to be different. You've called us to be loving and people that will go. Father, stir a revival in this room today inside of us that we don't look to the things that we see, that we're not moved by the behavior of those people. We're not moved by people that offend us or try to offend us. We're not moved by other persuasions, trying to do things. We're not moved by those things. Lord, let us be moved by your spirit. Let us pray now, Lord, that revival do come. Let us pray, God, that we will be honest with ourselves, look in the mirror and say, Lord, I need this done. I need this fixed. And it's okay to say, you know, but God, I really don't want to let go of that right now. But Lord, I need this fixed. Will you help me fix it? Because I can't fix it on my own. So let's get real today, Father God, and we're going to do it as a room today. We're, we're talking about where the church is going in the future. and We thank you, Lord, that the church is going to do the works of God. Jesus said, my church, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He was not talking about buildings. You were talking about people. But this morning, Father God, we've allowed buildings and denominations to divide us. The Catholics are there. The Methodists are there. The Baptists are there. The Pentecostals are way over there. And yet, Father, we need to come together as the body of Christ to get our fire back for you and declare the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit to help guide us in our everyday lives, that because of you, the Redeemer, that Job saw in his pain and his suffering. Let us stop looking so much to our stuff and start reaching out for others' stuff to help them. Father, I thank you and I praise you for what you're going to do in the lives of these people that came this morning, that me, myself included, need revival, and we need something to change. We don't need church or religion. We need you, God. So, Father, we thank you and praise you. If you're here this morning, you've never made that decision. Maybe you've heard about being born again or saved or whatever those terminologies, and you've never done that, but you sense in your heart today that you would like to do that, then come forward and we'll pray with you. Because the Bible says, if you'll confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father. The Bible says, when one soul comes in the kingdom of God, all of heaven rejoices. See, it's not about joining a church or giving money to it. It's about giving your heart to God and saying, I now want to be saved, receive Jesus Christ, my Redeemer, to pay back those things that I've done wrong by the blood of Jesus. That's simple. There's nothing hard about salvation. If That's you today. Just come forward as we close. If you need prayer for anything, don't hesitate to come forward to the altar. We'll have some people pray with you before you leave. But do not leave here without prayer and you know and you need prayer this morning. Father, I thank you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen and amen. You are dismissed. God bless you and have a great day.